Well, hello. What's up? What's up? What's up? What's up? It was, well, hey, well, right on. So, yeah, it was Brian almost with the message because I always forget this crazy little thing. Unless you think this is like some weird ring that we have up here. It's our clicker. So just so you know, there was almost a, a huge failure. It's great to see you guys. And it's great to be in this moment of prayer, especially for our church, especially in the lives. We had moments a couple weeks ago where we saw so many needs in the church. And I know many of you are hurting right now. Some of you know Sherry Carey. She's like the miraculous one on our staff that works in the office. Her and Joni, we don't know what we would do without them. But if you know Sherry Carey, just shout some love to her right now. If you know, kinda, you know Sherry, she's amazing. We just kind of wanted to update you a little bit what's going on with her family. Some of you know that Mr. Norm, her dad, has been sick, and he passed away. And what's so crazy is, you know, Jessica Creer, when she was coming in with worship, she was talking about being thankful. And a couple weeks ago, they invited me just to come into the house, bring some worship songs, grab the acoustic guitar, and they got Norm out there. And so Mr. Norm's out in the couch, and Jeannie, and Jeff, and, and Sherry, and me and Jen are over there, and we're playing some songs, some worship songs. And the most beautiful thing happened, Mr. Norm lifted his hands to Jesus. And he's singing. It was the most beautiful picture of no matter where you're going, whatever is going on in life right now, to be thankful. And I just want to communicate to you kind of what's going on in her. You can be praying for her. And we'll have an email that, because I know many of you are like, what can we do? Your heart's going to be crying out, what can we do? And we'll have an email and, and we'll let the church family know what you guys can do. But right now you can pray for them. But I want you to know that I, I said this a few Sundays ago, that there's many reasons why we lift our hands. But one of them in the scriptures is this word yada. And it's not like yada, 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 like Yiddish. It's Hebrew yada. And it means to be thankful. And it's a word picture of lifting your hands. And sometimes in the moments, in the most heartbreaking moments, what we do is we lift our hands to the heavens and we say, God, I don't understand, but I'm thankful. I'm thankful that, because see, worship is about sacrifice. Worship sometimes hurts. Sometimes we're coming in here and our hearts are broken and God is saying, get your eyes on me. This morning we were praying and me and Tom and the only song I could think of was turn your eyes upon Jesus. Do you remember that old chorus, that old hymn? Turn your eyes upon Jesus. And I love it, it says, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory, right? His glory. And some of you need to lift your eyes again and lift your hands. And even though there's, it's pain in the sacrifice of worship, say thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that we get to do this, that you've given me breath, that we get to come to a church, that you've given me a family, that you've given me a roof over my head. Yes, there's pain in the sacrifice, but thank you, Jesus. I want to challenge you at the end of this message that you lift your hands. Maybe you've never done it before, but you say, I can't understand, but God, I'm here to say you are God and I am not, and you are sovereign, and I bend my will to you and say thank you. Thank you, Jesus. But again, you can be praying for their family. And I love that picture that I got to see. And it's just tucked away in there of Mr. Norm. So if you're watching, Jeannie, we love you. Sherry, Jeff, all the family. Our heart goes out to you this morning. So, and if you're broken today, 
Jesus stood in the gap for you. If maybe today you want to give up because you're like, I just can't get it right. Well, there's a scripture that says that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to carry it to completion. It's his good work. He's the one working in you. Trust him. I told you about a phrase that I've had in my, my life for the past year where God has challenged me to trust him. Trust him. And it's, Lord, when I don't see your hand in my life, I'll trust your love for my life. And some of you need to remember that this morning. Trust his love for your life when you can't see his hand in your life. Because listen, there'll be times you're walking and you will not see his hand. Trust his heart. Amen? So today we're continuing to talk about prayer. And specifically, I'm going to use this phrase called watcher on the wall. Now, I know it sounds like a scary movie, but it's not. It's actually biblical. Not the scary movie part, but the watcher on the wall. And what it is, is if you look at this... There's a wall. We've all seen a wall. It's a wall, right? But this was a wall around a city. And in the ancient cities, you better have a wall and it better be strong and it better be complete. And you better have a watcher on the wall because there's an enemy out there, right? He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. But here's what's interesting about the wall. God wants watchmen on the wall looking to see God's move and God's word, looking to see if an enemy's coming. But oddly enough, in the scriptures, more often than not, they're not even talking about the enemy. It's talking about God's word to his people. And some of you need a fresh word from the Lord today. See, the ancient days, you had that city in the wall. It kept out the bad people from coming in. But a wall in disrepair, picture that wall up there, that there would be a gap in there. A gap in the wall of disrepair. If it was unguarded or in disrepair, it was a disaster waiting to happen because enemies could get into the city. And on the wall were watchmen. They were watching and protecting. And you wanted a good watchman, right? Because you wanted to sleep safely at night knowing that somebody was watching, right? Or during the day when you're going about your business knowing that somebody is watching, See, just like those physical watchmen, God raises up spiritual watchmen to pray, guard, to encourage, to warn, and to turn his people back to him and to speak on his behalf. And Ezekiel 22 is our main passage today, but I just want to kind of explore this thing. This is God speaking, and he's crying out, saying, I looked for someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap. So there's something wrong with the wall. There's a gap in the wall. The enemy can get in. It's in disrepair. They've ignored the word of the Lord, and now the enemy can get in. It says, I looked, and there was nobody to stand in the gap on behalf of the land, so I would not have to destroy it. But I found no one. See, God is like the spiritual heart of my people is in bad shape. And there's no one who will speak out to turn them back to me. No one to pray and stand in the gap. But why was there a gap in the wall? It's because of their sin. It was because of their sin. And God asked, when the wall collapses, will people ask you, where is the whitewash you covered it with? So you ever had some sin in your life and you're saying, oh, problem, I don't see a problem. I kind of paint it, make it look nice. Some of us do that in our homes, right? It doesn't look like it's from 1942 and you're, you're painting away and everything's crumbling around. It's the money pit. That's what they were doing in their hearts. Saying, God, I will go my own way. What problem? I don't see it. And they whitewashed the walls to make it look pretty. 
But God says, hey, when those walls fall, where's the whitewash you covered it with? Do you ever do that? He's saying my people have a weak part in their spiritual wall of their hearts because they haven't listened to me. And I need someone who will build it back spiritually with my words, pray, and stand in the gap to turn them from their wicked ways. See, will you stand in the gap for your brother? See, it might not because of, of sin, but maybe they need an encourager. Will you stand in the gap for your brother? Will you stand in the gap for your sister or for this church or for your one? Maybe some of you have forgotten. Maybe if you can direct your eyes, I know it'll be hard to see over there. But we have a Who's Your One campaign where we wrote on those little things, whatever they are, those little disc guys, names of people we want to see know the Lord. Will you stand in the gap for your one? Do you remember to pray for them and, and cry out to the living God on their behalf? And when your brother's hurting, your sister's hurting, will you stand in the gap? See, Isaiah 62, 6, 7 says this. I've appointed watchmen on your walls. They will never be silent, day or night. You who remind the Lord, no rest for you. Do not give him rest until he establishes and makes her Jerusalem the praise of the earth. See, sometimes we wrestle with this whole prayer thing. Why do I even need to pray? Because God says, cry out to me. God says, cry out to me. Give me no rest. But I thought the scripture said he never slumbers asleep. Yes, amen. But he's using this figuratively saying, get in my ear. Get in my ear, my people, my children. Cry out to me on behalf of the land, on behalf of those one on the behalf of the ones that don't know me or your hurting brother or sister, the one that's sick, who will stand in the gap? He says, pray to me, cry out to me and ask me until his will is done. So we have a responsibility to cry out day and night for God's will to be done. Watchmen are those who have a sense of responsibility for others in the body of Christ. You're like, well, that's the pastor's job. They're the shepherds of the church. You're a priesthood of believers. You are called to your brothers and sisters to carry the burdens. We are called to one another. It may be the homework club kids. It may be the Highland City Elementary. It may be a ministry in the church like the youth or the children's ministry. It may be TBA overall. Maybe it's something even for the nations, whatever it is. But you're crying out for the body of Christ. But watchmen are also people who stand in the gap for others who have yet to believe. See, there's people out there that Jesus is desperate for them to know him. And you're his hands, feet, and voice. And he says, I want them to know me. Cry out day and night on their behalf. See, the watchman had a duty to watch, which another word could be pray, and to warn. And another word for that could be to proclaim. To proclaim to watch and warn. They watched for God's move of his word and they had one message. Come back to Jesus. Come away from the world. Awake my people. See, we've named this awaken. Awaken. Because God's like, my people are asleep. Awaken yourselves. Rouse yourselves. Who will stand in the gap? Come back to Jesus. You see, our hearts depart in so many ways, right? Think about it. How often they depart. But I want to read this in Ezekiel because it's pretty strong. And it's the responsibility of the watchman. Now listen to what, what God says. Again, it's, it's pretty strong. It says, the word of the Lord came to me, son of man. So he's talking to Ezekiel. Speak to your people and say to them, when I bring the sword against the land, and we'll talk about why this is happening. 
And the people of the land choose one of their men and make him their watchman. And he sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet to warn the people. Then if anyone hears the trumpet but does not heed the warning and the sword comes and takes their life, their blood will be on their own head. In other words, if they're in sin and you warn them but they do not heed it, if they say like, ah, it's not for me, he says the blood's on their own head. But watch of the responsibility here. Since they heard the sound of the trumpet but did not heed the warning, their blood will be on their own head. If they had heeded the warning, they would have have saved themselves. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin. So I want to stop right there. Their life was taken because of their own sin. We're accountable for our own sin, right? Every single one of us. But listen as it goes on. So it'll be their sin. But, but, I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. There's a responsibility. There's a weight when we're brothers and sisters in Christ. There's a weight when God speaks. He goes on. says, son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word I speak and give them a warning from me. When I say to the wicked, you wicked person, you will surely die. And you do not speak out to dissuade them from their ways. That wicked person will die for their sin. And I will hold you accountable for their blood. But if you do warn the wicked person to turn from their ways and they do not do so, they will die for their sin, though you yourself will be saved. All right, well, thank you, Ezekiel. It's a bit heavy now, but that's all right because our God comes to us. See, the context is that the Israelites were no longer in the land of Israel. They've been carried off into captivity in Babylon. They are slaves right now. And the reason that this is how they are is they've turned their backs on the living God. They've embraced the ways and customs of the nations around them, and they have forsaken their first love. They didn't heed God's loving rebuke and persisted in their ways. See, what's in the heart of God, even when his people have been carried off into captivity? It's that his people will turn to him. God's corrective measures are always to restore us to his heart and to his love. Even in his discipline, it is that we will return to our first love. And even in judgment, to turn his people back to him. See, what you need to understand about this, because you're like, man, God's bringing a sword. How many of you know that when God even brings a sword, it's out of love? It's out of love. It's always out of love. And what you don't know in this scripture is how God has wooed them, how God has cried out for them and saying, my people, return to me. And he's saying, who else will weep and plead for my people because they're hurting themselves. They're trapped in their sin. And so God disciplined them and sent them away and they're still not listening. He says, I'm bringing a sword. It's a sword of love. It's a sword to turn you back to me because you're my people and I don't want my people bound by anything. See, that's what's in the heart of God. He goes on in verse 11 and says, say to them, as surely as I live, declares the sovereign Lord, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather they turn from their ways and live. Turn, turn from your evil ways. Why will you die, people of Israel? He sees them caught up in their sin. He says, I can't let that happen. I can't let them die. Why would you do it? God's heart is always pleading that I do not delight in the death of the wicked. I don't want you hurt. People, come back to me. Turn to me. 
It's the heart of God. He pleads. He cries out. Turn means to repent. And it's the same with us. God has only one desire for us, to come out of worldliness and be set apart. Be righteous so the world can see the heart of God. Turn away from our evil ways and turn to him. God has only one message to the nations, to America, to his bride, to his church. Turn to Jesus. God tells Ezekiel, speak to your countrymen. And he raised him up to speak and stand in the gap. God raises up common people. Abraham, Joseph, Moses, Gideon, Esther, Rebecca. And I love what it says about Rebecca in the scripture. It says she stood up her enemies at the gate. Anna in the New Testament who prophesied over Jesus and her eyes saw the Messiah. The apostles, common people to proclaim an extraordinary God who related the heart of God. See, he will always raise up someone to pray and speak to those who know God and those who need to know God. And God speaks to guide those who are confused. How many of you know our world is in confusion? And the church is in confusion. But God sends his word, his people, brothers and sisters to say, lift your eyes, turn your eyes to Jesus. See, many of us are confused. A watchman brings order to the chaotic. Peace to those who have no peace. See, I know in Ezekiel, it's a strong word. Because the sword is coming against his people. But the watchmen were also there to encourage. The watchmen were there to say, I'm going to comfort you with the comfort of the Lord because you don't see right now. They bring peace and hope. See, our hearts easily depart from our loving God. Some of you are like, where's God? Where's God? And some of you need to come back and renounce sinful lifestyles, tear down idols, ask forgiveness, and turn away from sin. This heart has to be cleansed so we are a lamp of love and victory in the world. Listen to what 2 Timothy 2 says. Right before this, it's the Lord speaking, and he's like, I know who are mine. I know who are my kids, who are my children. The Lord knows those who are his. It says, everyone who confesses the name of the Lord must turn away from wickedness. In a large house, there are articles not only of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay. So he's gonna contrast those two things. Some are made for special purposes and some for common use. Those who cleanse themselves from the latter will be instruments for special purposes, made holy, useful to the master, and prepared to do any good work. But here's the problem. Just like Israel, we can be worldly. We can be saved inwardly, but look lost on the outside. The watchman calls out to God's people, come back. Get your heart ready. Make way for the king of kings. You've let other things sit on the throne of your heart. It's time to set it all aside and seek him with all your heart. See, he prays for the revival of God's people. Because sometimes we don't understand the spiritual condition of our hearts. Sometimes like in Hebrews in the church, it says don't let any root of bitterness spring up that you would miss out on the grace of God People, when we let a root of bitterness grow up, we miss out on the grace of God as a church. He says, don't let that happen. And he warns the church and says, I love you. Don't let it happen. Forgive. Heal. 
God wants us to seek him and pray for revival. God is praying and crying out for the church to be awakened from its slumber and sleep. See, revival is for every believer and it must be the priority, a reformation of our lives. Listen, revival isn't a bunch of joyful songs. Revival is getting on our knees and say, God, bend me. Your glory and your will be done in my life and around me. Not my will, your will. That's what God is looking for. And in the great revivals in the past, it started with a man who said, bend me. Bend me. Lord, bend me. Who would say that? God, bend me. The world is yet to see when God's people who realize the power of the Holy Spirit in their lives, who are surrendered and will be a living sacrifice and say, God, bend me. Use me. Revive me. We need Jesus to put a deep dissatisfaction of the world in our hearts, a deep dissatisfaction with our sin, with the religious status quo. But we have to pray and cry out for it, and we have to prepare the way for it. Clean the house and Christ will come. You're like, well, Christ is already here. Well, Christ wants to come in glory and power. He wants to raise the dead and heal the lame in his church and out there. Clean the house and Christ will come. Listen, you can't do things as normal. Some of you are like, I'll just do things as normal and be like, well, why God, why aren't you here? He hasn't left you. He's always there. But sometimes you need to remove some things. Sometimes you've got to shake things up. Sometimes you get to say, God, remove this from my life and I lay it down at your feet if you want him to use you. Listen, the worries of this life will choke out the word of God. Jesus had a parable on it. He said the riches of this world and the worries of this life will choke out the word of God where you can't hear. And it happens to believers. I'm not talking about salvation right now. I'm talking about that God is moving in your life. And if you're not listening for the word of God, if you're worried about the world, if your eyes are on today, instead of Jesus, you won't see him for tomorrow. And God says, I want you to hear my word. I want you to turn your eyes to me. See, the worldly desires can choke out the Lord's voice in your life. Our love can grow cold. See, in Revelation, Jesus says, my people's love has grown cold. He wants a fiery church that loves him, that seeks him with all their heart. See, there was the thing that the priest would do in the Old Testament. If you remember Solomon's temple for the temple of God, and there was an altar, and there was a porch And it divided and it went into the temple of God. And the priest would lay down and he would cry out between the porch and the altar and say, save your people, O Lord. Because they don't see and you love them. Spare them, Lord. We are a priesthood of believers crying out for each other and for this world. That's what a watchman does. But it's not just for this church. It's for those who don't know him. The Bible says the lost have a veil of deception so they can't believe and it's put there by the devil. Prayer removes the veil so the light of the glorious gospel will shine into their hearts. If we don't pray, the veil remains. Prayer is the key for this church to be filled. Prayer removes the veil. Guys, are we living for ourselves? This is why we aren't watchmen to a lost and dying world. We need to get a purpose that is eternal. Listen, I'm there in the heart struggle. I understand. It's easy to live for our own purposes. It's easy 
to want power and position and all these things in our hearts that war within us of, of all kinds of things, of riches and worries in this world. But are we have an eternal purpose, an eternal purpose worth dying for? Listen, my purpose ain't worth dying for, but Jesus' purpose is worth dying for. And giving your whole life. This is a short life. There's not much time on this earth, people. We believe there is, but there's not. Live for Jesus. Repent of your sin. Come back to him. Hear his word. Hear his word. Prayer removes the veil of the lost that we're praying for. We can't sit around and think, well, Jesus did it all, right? I do nothing. Yes, he paid it all. Thank you, Jesus. But he said, go get the reward for my suffering. He didn't suffer like that so we could sit on the couch. Go get the reward of the lamb. Stop putting your eyes on you and get it on those who need him. Get them on those who are hurting. It's time, church, that our one, how long have we done this campaign? Cry out for the lost. Intercede for them. Stand in the gap for them. See, this is a, a living faith. Jesus calls it, it's, it's a living faith with highs and lows, brokenness and joys. He is sovereign, but he partners with us in real time. But we gotta cry out to him. That's why he says, cry out to me. Give me no rest. Cry out to me, my people. We need to get the reward of the lamb. He didn't suffer for nothing. You and I are here because of the blood of the lamb. You and I are here because someone cared enough to tell us the gospel. You and I are here because someone said, I don't care if I have fear. I don't care, but I'll tell them about Jesus. The world is lost and dying. We have to tell others about him. See, our verse in James is the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man accomplishes much. In the King James, it availeth much. I like that. But there's another translation that says the effective and fervent prayer of a righteous man is dynamic in its working. Listen, one person can change the spiritual climate in the darkest of places. Unless you misunderstand me, let me rephrase that. Christ in you can change the spiritual temperature in any room, even right now. God raises up normal people like me and you who will believe, that is key to what I'm saying right now, who will believe and say God is going to move and I'm crying out for it day and night. Listen, I want to be clear. Prayer is not a work of the flesh. For most of it is. For Brian Stiverson, often it's a work of the flesh and I get mad. I'm just going to be really honest for you. Prayer is laboring with the Holy Spirit. Romans says we don't even know what to pray, but the Holy Spirit within us is groaning, even though we don't even hear him all the time. He's groaning, and he's conforming our prayers, if we'll let him, to God's will. we got to labor with the Holy Spirit in what God is doing. See, you don't have the power to get the job done, but Christ in you does. You don't have the power to get that person saved, but Jesus does. You don't have the words of encouragement, but Christ in you does. Seek him and believe and say, God is going to move. It goes on in verse three. It says, when the watchman sees the sword coming against the land and blows the trumpet, that's a shofar, that's a, a ram's horn, and he warns the people, 
Then if anyone hears the trumpet, the shofar, but does not heed the warning and the sword comes and takes their life, their blood will be on their own head. Since they heard the sound of the trumpet but did not heed the warning, their blood will be on their own head. If they had heeded the warning, they would have saved themselves. God kind of reiterates these things. See, our job is to watch on their behalf. That's what it's saying. That's what he's driving home to Ezekiel and to us today. We can't be sleeping on the job. See, the trumpet is sounding. Get your hearts ready. I invited my son up here. I got this little crazy special thing here. This is what it's talking about. It's a shofar. Jace, you want to come up? Let's go, buddy. Let's see this. So this is a ram's horn. This is all I could afford in Israel. If you've seen a real shofar, they're like, like this big. And I was like, like looking at this one, I'm like, I'm going to get that thing. And it was like thousands of dollars. So I'm like, yeah, I'll offer this one up, you know, here. Now, I'm also going to, I'm making my son do this because when this was in my house, it's in my office now, we'd be sleeping and we'd hear, we like, what is happening? And it'd be this guy, this choker, blowing it. So let's see if he still's got, got skill. I don't know. We'll find out. Wow. 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 So, so listen, you at least want to make sure they know how to blow a shofar, right? Now, listen, I, that was pretty good. This morning, I tried to do that, and I have a dust in my office, and I was like, Brr. it was like, wouldn't even do anything. It was just air going through, and this dust was like, whoosh. I'm like, oh, man, my eyes were starting to get all red and crackly and crazy. But they're to blow the shofar. It spiritually, it means to speak the word. Because it's alive and active to encourage, to warn, to proclaim. Because when it blows through our hearts and our minds, Jesus can move. See, it's not just for others that we need to hear this. We are responsible for what we hear. Let me change it from, you know, you being the watchman to the watchman speaking to you. We're responsible for what we hear. What you hear on Sundays you're responsible for what you read in the word of God. You're responsible for when you hear it and don't do it, you're accountable. Also, when you tell your one about Jesus, but they ignore it, it's on them. But we need to be praying and doing our job, right? But if we fail, we're accountable before the Lord. Our hands are guilty. Listen to verse six. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet to warn the people and the sword comes and takes someone's life, that person's life will be taken because of their sin. So just straightforward, their sin. But, but I will hold the watchman accountable for their blood. They're accountable for their own sins. However, God says I will hold the watchman accountable for his blood if we don't warn them and if we don't speak. Our silence is killing the church. He will hold us responsible for not telling others about Jesus. I'm not talking about losing your salvation. That's not what God is saying. It just won't be a pretty day when we are up at the Bema seat. It's the judgment seat of Christ for believers. Watchmen, we need to do our job. Pray and tell others. I'm going to ask you that. Who's your one? Pray for them. Seek them. Time is running out. Verse 7 says, Son of man, I have made you a watchman for the people of Israel. So hear the word that I speak and give them warning from me. See, the sad thing is, is Israel was to be a light to the nations, not conform to the nations. And Ezekiel had to talk more to the nation than look out for the enemy, the devil, because the enemy was already in the city. 
they looked no different than the world. And it's easy to bag on them and say, wow, they missed it. But church, we miss it too. We're so caught up in me, me, me that we miss it. We are responsible before God. We are responsible for each other and we are responsible to our one. And if, it's why we are called to repent and turn back to our first love. See if the shofar was blowing in here today. Maybe it would be this. Maybe this would be the words that God would speak to us in James. Come close to God and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Maybe today if the shofar is blowing into your hearts, that's his word to you. Maybe if the shofar is blowing and your eyes are on the world, you're like, I don't have a major sin. But the world is choking out his word. Maybe the shofar is saying, turn your eyes on Jesus today. His word is alive and active. Are you drawing near to him? Are you chasing after him? You know, there's been times in my life when I think I deserve something. And then God lovingly reminds me that I don't need to define myself on what he does for me or doesn't do for me or what he gives me or doesn't give me. But I define myself on the greatest gift he already gave me. That the definition of blessed is not stuff. The definition of blessed is that I've been saved and born again. That that's what blessed is. Blessed is not, well, God healed me or God didn't heal me. Blessed is, I know Jesus. I get to be here in the body of Christ. I get to sing with joy to the Lord no matter what I'm going through. People, we need to be thankful, as Jessica was talking about, and lift our hands and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the blood. Thank you that I'm a son or a daughter because I don't deserve it. I was a Gentile. I was separated from your people, and you brought me in. And it was only because of your love. I didn't do anything. Sometimes we got to draw close to him because things in our heart are pulling us away. It's not the major sins. It's the little attitudes of our hearts. And draw near to him. Listen, I'm not saying perfection. God uses brokenness and weakness, but I'm talking about sin and worldliness. Do you love the world more than him? His desire is that you turn back to him. Romans says this. I love this verse. Now it is high time to awake out of your sleep. Paul's saying, he's blowing the shofar. He's like, but hopefully it doesn't sound like Scooby-Doo. But he's blowing the shofar. He's saying, wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Our salvation is nearer now than we first believed. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And he's talking to believers. Wake up from your slumber. It means Christ is coming back and it's just around the corner. His imminent return. And the watchman on the wall, who on behalf of this city, this nation, this world, that relative, that child, that coworker, this church, that person who needs Jesus, you should realize that there is not much time left. Pray and proclaim. Listen, a storm is coming to this world, a tribulation like never seen on earth. 
The signs are all in place. He's coming for his church and he will come to judge the nations and every person. And one day the trumpet will ring out, the shofar will ring out and Jesus Christ will come riding on the clouds in glory and the dead in Christ, will, we will rise to meet him in the air and he will take us to be with him forever and ever, amen. But right now, there's tears. Right now, there's suffering. We have to pray. We must cry out day and night for that lost person, for that child, for this church, for this nation, for this world. Cry out. See what we're reading today? This isn't for back then. It's for now. It's your job. Say this. This is for me. I know it's heavy today, but we need to say that. This is for me. Watch them in a while. You're invited. The War Room Sunday, every Sunday, two or three of us meet in this right here, and it's for everyone at 9 a.m. in the War Room to pray. You don't have to pray out loud. Bring a friend if you're uncomfortable. Come and pray. And then we have prayer and intercession on the first and third Mondays of each month, and it's at 6 p.m., 6 p.m. in the auditorium right here. Now, that might change, but right now, we're going to talk. Eric and I will talk, but that might change. But right now, that's where we're at. There's men's prayer on Wednesday. Now, yes, I'm, I'm saying this, 5 a.m. I just said it. But there's so many men that show up. Dude, it is the most beautiful picture that men are showing up to pray. It's so powerful. And it's in the youth space, the new space right over there. And then we have ladies who have been faithful through everything to be praying. When all of our prayer groups have shifted around or done these different things, we have some solid ladies who pray on Tuesdays. It's in the meeting space next to our church offices at one o'clock p.m. And many of you don't know this, but our youth are praying. It's only youth, youth only. Don't go sneaking in. I know it's exciting, but you guys are praying. Listen, this message isn't for the adults. This is for you. You are the watchman in your schools. You are the watchman in your youth group. You're the one that stands in the gap for each other. You're the one that cries out day and night for each other and for those friends that don't know Jesus. God has called you. Ben, you can come up. I want to end by saying this. You see, when God looked, there was no one to stand in the gap. There was no man, woman, child that could stand in the gap. So guess who stood in the gap? Jesus Christ. God looked and there was no one. And so he had sent his son, Jesus, and he stood in the gap for each one of us. It's why we're here. It's why you have breath in your lungs to cry out to him and praise him. It's because he suffered on the cross and stood in the gap and died for the forgiveness of your sins. And listen, if you don't know Jesus and if you don't believe him and trust him as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says you're still condemned. But if you will believe in Jesus, it says he will give you eternal life. You will not perish and you will belong to him forever. If you don't know Jesus today, no man next to you, no woman, not your husband, not a child, no one can stand in the gap for you. Only Jesus was perfect enough to stand in the gap. Believe upon the name of Jesus today. And church, maybe today you need that encouragement. Here's the key to the encouragement you want. Go encourage someone else. Go stand in the gap and you'll find people standing in the gap for you. And then church, 
Some of you need to repent. Jesus wants to call you into the most holy, loving thing that could happen when you say, God, I give up my sin. I give up my worldliness. I give up doubting you, and I come back to you. Some of you need to come back to him and seek him with all your hearts. He's calling you. He's calling you. Will you pray with me, Father, in the name of Jesus?